Welcome to the show that has little to no meaning and makes little to no sense. It is the show where you can expect the unexpected. This is Nonsensical Talk on the air and in the cloud. Those crazy hosts will talk about anything and everything. And now, from their home studios in Middle Tennessee, here is your hosts, Alan Robertson and Joey Smith. All right, Alan. I'm ready for this. Hey, Joey. It's it's show number five. It's November. Al and I went up to Hopkinsville, our hometown, had lunch, went to Trail of Tears, got to see Chief White Pass sculpture and Fly Smith's sculpture. Uh, uh, we got to talk with uh, uh, the folks there at uh, the, the uh, Heritage Park for the Trail of Tears. And... Uh, Alan, it was a great day. Great day, Joey. Great day. Uh, and you're talking about those sculptures. Uh, remember, that's uh, Steve Shields, uh, one of our, uh, we'll call him one of our own because uh, he actually moved to Hopkinsville in uh, 1970, which was uh, a great year for Joey and I uh, because that was the year that we were born. <laughs> but anyway, so we go uh, going over what we were at, the commemorative part there, uh, they do the powwow in September. Uh, and, and we'll get into that on the conversation we had with Christina and she's going to talk a lot more to us. So Joey, let's, uh, let's go out to Hopkinsville where we did our first recording, uh, at the Trail of Tears Commemorative Park. So we're inside the Cherokee room here at the, uh, park in, uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky behind the old Kentucky new era for folks who don't know where this is. Uh, we're here with Christina Scott, uh, historian for, uh, this facility, come and talk to her, come out and visit her. Uh, she's full of wonderful stories and she has already enlightened us this, uh, today. And we're going to let her talk because she's going to continue to enlighten us and help us understand the history of the Trail of Tears that we can't do, but do via a book. Uh, she's done probably more research than, uh, most anybody out there. So. I'm going to let you go, Christina, and uh, talk a little bit about the Trail of Tears. All right. Well, good morning, guys. The Trail of Tears Commemorative Park here in Hopkinsville is actually settled on what was a ration stop on the northern route of the Trail of Tears. There are actually four different routes. So if you look at the map, you'll see how we ended up in nine different states. We do, there are nine states involved. Uh, and like I said, Hopkinsville was a ration stop as they crossed the Tennessee border into Kentucky. They came through Guthrie, Kentucky, and ended up here in Hopkinsville. From Hopkinsville, they went on to Princeton and went on through the states. There were over 10,000 Native Americans mm -hmm. on this property in 1838. But what happened here in November of 1838 that makes our spot a little special, Chief Whitepath passed away here. And Chief Whitepath was leader of the traditionalist Cherokee, and he became very well known for his politics. Uh, later in his life, as a matter of fact, he really wasn't as well known until he started fighting the Cherokee removal. Now, when he passed away here, they wanted to bury him where people could pay their respects. 
he was told he could not be buried in the city cemetery at that time because he was not white. And I always like to remind people, you got to remember, this is pre-Civil War in yeah. Southern Kentucky. Yeah. So it's kind of how it was. Yeah. When they came back here kind of lamenting, what do we do? The farm owners here said, well, you can bury him in our family cemetery here on the farm. So he was allowed to be buried with his name in a cemetery where everybody else was going to come through here and they could pay their respects. On the very same day, Chief, I just said Chief Flysmith. <laughs> I, I messed it up too. We messed her up earlier. We were I talking said Chief about Smith and and uh, she said, "Let me correct you before we were recording." And, and now you got to correct me. And no, Flysmith also passed away on the same day, and they were assuming he was a chief, and so he was allowed to be buried with his name too. We do believe there are other unmarked graves here at the park. But can't prove it. <laughs> yeah, you know when you think that there's ten thousand people that um, that are coming through here, right? And that we only know of two that died in that twenty-four hour period. Statistically, there right. probably were more. And there have been studies where people have said others are buried here, others were born here. So, again. We just can't really prove it because all we have is journals and, sure. and diaries and things to take this information from. We do know about White Path because Hopkinsville did have a newspaper at the time. We were kind of a booming city back then. Yeah. And it was written in our weekly newspaper. It was called the Hopkinsville Gazette <laughs> is what it was called. And it was written earlier this week. Chief, you know, White Path passed away and was buried. And it, so we yeah. ha actually have newspapers. Um, there have been extensive studies um, where we actually have names of detachments. We have who was in there, who was... Uh, White Path was considered a co-conductor and was allowed to ride his horse. By the time he got to Port Royal, right? there were letters back to the Indian agency that the old man wasn't going to make it, that he had mm. become so ill he couldn't even ride his horse, and he was fighting him to be able to ride his, ride his pony. <laughs> and they finally got him where they put him in a wagon. And so he was in a wagon when he got here. He was already very ill. Um, earlier I was talking about where they crossed the state line into Kentucky, which is a place called the Stagecoach Inn, is what it was called at the time. They did not stay at the inn. They did stay on property adjacent to it. Mm -hmm. There is a well that still stands there at the Stagecoach, and they are on the National Registry, too. Mm -hmm. They are a certified site. And White Path drank from that well and said he felt better. He could make the rest of the trip. So at that time, the medicine men that were with him blessed the well. They call it the well of sweet water. And you didn't even know it was No, I go there oh, all no. the time with my daughter. He goes there and does that. did you know that. what it was? Yes. Yes. I, I want y'all to get down there because I've we been told to that, Mr., that Mr. Britton mm -hmm. is just fabulous. You need to see if you can get a hold of Mr. Yeah. Britton. And he's an actual park ranger. So Okay. Now, we saw some park rangers out there that passed us while we were in the... Uh, we were right there uh, at, the state, at park. the state park, 
and where the river crosses the road there. Uh, and Red as river. a matter of fact, it was yeah. Red River. Yeah, because I've got a I've got a, uh, a video of him standing on the bridge, and it's coming off of the trail. He's got a drone that flies over. Yeah. It was actually named as one of the. I don't want to say pristine, that's not it. But one of the best trailer care sites in Tennessee since they've done all the I really wish the stuff. state, and we've been Because you know it went down for a while there. When the bridge washed away. Right, it uh, kind of just went bridge, down. And... But that's actually a discernible trail mm-hmm. that you hike there. Now, you mentioned that well yeah. that uh, Chief White Path drank from. I wonder if that that well is still is it like on someone's farm or well it's on the stagecoach end property okay but it is certified the well itself is certified not the end okay (laughs) and you were saying that it does now have water back in it right when they did the when they had to tear out the tree and start rehabbing the guy who who bought it when they started digging and trying to replace the stones and everything, they mm-hmm. actually hit water. So there is still water running to that well after it had been filled in so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, people were kind of being disrespectful and throwing things in it and that kind of stuff. So all mm-hmm. we knew back in the 90s was we had to fill it up with dirt. Mm-hmm. And so it had been filled in where it was only 18 inches deep. Mm-hmm. But when they did this and hit those tree roots and stuff, they actually... There's still actually running water yeah. through that well. I guess if you think that water table is still there, no matter if the well's gone or not. Right, because it's spring-fed, and right. so it's coming from somewhere, and it's beautiful, clear water. It's mm. amazing, and they do have it put back together, so it is able. You can walk up to it. You can see it. They're getting the sign replaced. There was a sign there that talks about White Pat drinking from it, and the medicine men blessing it and calling it sweet water. So they're getting that. We actually have photographs over here. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to come and see um, photographs of the original sign in the original well yeah. house. Um, matter of fact, there's some right behind you too. <laughs> some pictures of the stagecoach. So I'm tracking this. <laughs> they come through Port Royal. Then mm-hmm. uh, uh, Chief White Path is ill because there's been. Uh, uh, documented uh, that they're, they've been he's been wanting to still ride his pony but they they convinced him to get in a wagon right uh, they come through Guthrie and then they get here right and uh, and there is actually a stop between here and Guthrie mm-hmm. called Radford Farms and some groups stop there because again, most of the Cherokee Nation had adapted Christianity. They didn't walk on Sundays. Oh, oh, okay. So and Sabbath. they stopped at Radford Farms to have Sunday service. Okay. And we had that recorded through the journal of Reverend Daniel Buttrick. Okay. And he talks about stopping there. The that farmhouse. Is really good history because that could let us know mm-hmm. not just that after arriving here that he passed away within 24 hours more likely it might have been 24 hours from us from the end of sunday oh, or monday or we actually know that white path lingered on this property about three days okay okay so three days his group left him and let the groups behind you know why i'm getting the 24 hours where are you getting 24 hours fly smith 
and Chief White Path died within, within 24, 24 hours, hours of each other. That's what I'm doing. But this is how we know that White Path lingered here because of having records of the detachments. Flysmith was two detachments behind. Oh, so mm. he wasn't even on the same detachment. So they, they were ride, not the same did, group. They didn't even know each other. And that makes sense. When you have 10,000 people. Right. They didn't even the know each other. The one in the other. front and the 10,000 person didn't arrive right. at the same time. Right. The groups came through, you know, two to five days between each other. Okay. And we know this. Flysmith was this many detachments behind White Path. We also know because Reverend Jesse Bushyhead, who was a full-blood Cherokee, but was a Baptist minister. He went away to school to become a Baptist minister. Mm -hmm. He was in Blasmus' detachment. Okay. But he was also friends with White Path. Even though White Path was leader of the traditionalists, which means he was probably not a Christian. Okay. But Reverend Bushyhead is the one who buried White Path. Okay. That's so, see, here we are. We were talking earlier about societal, you know, you blending. can't do this, you can't yeah. do that. Here we are, two totally opposite men who were friends. Right. And so he kind of made sure that White Path was covered all the way around. You're getting the Native American side, but I'm going to make sure you got a Christian burial too, like it or not, to be sure you're covered. Right. You know, but he went to school to become a Baptist minister. A lot of people don't realize the education level of the Cherokee. John Ross, who was our principal chief for like 40 years, mm-hmm. actually was a Harvard graduate. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. He was only one-eighth Cherokee, but he became our principal chief. Right. This blood quantum that they do now, really didn't, I mean, he was one-eighth Cherokee, but became principal chief. That's like being the president. That's over everybody. But he was a Harvard graduate. That is pretty much owned Chattanooga, Tennessee, as far as that's concerned. He and his brother had a shipping company. His group went by boat, by the way. <laughs> they went the water route. So he could take his boats. Right. These people are not dumb. No. <laughs> you, now, you mentioned John Ross. Uh-huh. Some of my readings and just watching uh, YouTube videos, uh, there was some of the tribe considered themselves siding with John Ross, and and then the other side of the tribe. Can uh, can you explain some of that? Of well, I mean, just like any other government, we had people that were like, "Okay, we're leaving." Matter of fact, we have several groups that left before the actual trail mm-hmm. took place. Then you have the treaty party which these were not so good guys who took money from the government and then is took the, off. Now, is that the, that's, that's <laughs> what I was thinking at, that there was some folks who signed with John Ross of really trying to go the legal route of, right. oh, of yes. fighting this and uh, winning in court with uh, Judge Marshall. And they went all um, the way to the Supreme Court and won, and won their case. And, I always feel um, like, yeah, I want to say Judge Judy, like, <laughs> Take them to court. And but, that's what they did. Because again, they lived as the Anglos. There was this mm-hmm. treaty group that went and signed something yeah, these rotten behind <laughs> everyone else. John Ridge, Major Ridge, Elias Boudinois, whose real name was Buck Wadey, and then one of the other ways. There were four of them. And do you realize that in June of 1839, this is after everybody had gotten where they're going, 
all of those men, three of them, John Ridge, Major Ridge, and Elias Boudoir, were all three killed on the very same day at the very Alan same was time telling me this. in three different places. Yes. My Alan mother said, used to I call it the, the Cherokee Mafia. Yes. Because said, nobody ever think, was... I think those treaty guys end up dying pretty soon. And it, um, it was June. The last group got there in March, June. They were all killed. One was hatcheted, one was knifed, and one was shot. <laughs> the other one was like away in Arizona or something. You know, he was... He went so they didn't catch him. But they were in three different places at the same time of day, on the same day, killed. That, yeah. Kind of coincidental. Yeah. And, like, yeah. nobody ever said a word. It was like they never found anybody who did it. Nobody ever claimed it. Nobody. Well, you said that they were they their own police. They took out a hit on them. They were their own police. So, right. yeah. those were bad guys. Oops. <laughs> you know. How did, how did the, um, uh, uh, the Cherokee Nation that, uh, sided with John Ross, how did they first find out that some trees, that this group has went and signed this treaty that they're all... Well, I mean, leave? again, the Cherokee but, were very educated people. They did have meetings. They did have... I mean, I'd hate to be not, that person and go, hey, we signed a treaty yesterday. Right. Uh, I don't think they did, because really they took off. Or did they, they went leave, out west? And then yeah. the government just showed up. Pretty much the way I read it and understand it. Yeah. I mean, John Ross making an announcement to the people, look, so many of us are dying. Let's just go. Yeah. Let's just go and we'll fix it after he calms down. <laughs> you know? yeah. Because you have to realize Andrew Jackson built 15 stockades on the Georgia-Tennessee state line and one in Fort Payne, Alabama. And basically the state of Georgia declared itself to be sovereign. So then they passed all the laws going, oh, well, Indians can't own property. Indians can't vote. Indians can't. You can't have your religious meetings. You can't. That's how a lot of times they ended up in Red Clay, Tennessee. They came across the state line to have whatever meetings or whatever they were doing. Then it got nasty because these are the last ones who were like fighting mm -hmm. the removal. Mm -hmm. So then they would just arrest them for nothing. They go and grab them out of the field. Oh, you're an Indian. Watch this. And they would put them in the stockades. Many people died in the stockades from dysentery, exposure, that type of thing, because they were big cattle pens. There weren't buildings. They weren't jails. Right. They just had the big tree fences and locked people up there. Well, of course you're going to get dysentery. You know, you think people are using the bathroom just anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're just throwing food at them. They're doing... And these were the people who were fighting, you know, no, I don't want to leave. Right. And that's why they got it. There are several groups, like I said, that actually left before. They're like, we got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And they would just go. Or there's people like my family's story. They hid in a cave. They ran off, hid in a cave. When it was over, they homesteaded a farm. You know, that farm was in my family. I was telling him earlier it was in Humboldt. So they went, you know. West Tennessee mm -hmm. and down near Milan. You know, yeah. And had a cotton and hog farm that's that was in my family for over a hundred years. My father used to make us go pick cotton <laughs> so we would stay in school and not have to do that when we grew <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was his his thinking. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure this hurts so you never wanna do it. You know, and never you know, you better stay in school. Um so you have those stories like that, or those that escaped over the mountain. Because if you stop and think, there's so many Cherokee in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. 
He didn't want North Carolina. He Just wanted that country. little spot at the foothills of the mountain where Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia meet. Where they found gold. You know, and you think about it, if you go back, back, back in Georgia history, at one point in time, Georgia was a penal state. They okay. sent rapists, murderers to Georgia to break rocks. Because where in America do we get marble? <laughs> the state of Georgia. If we're not ordering it from Italy, you're getting it from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Prisoners were down there breaking rocks. Somebody Damn. hit gold. Because <laughs> you know, it's Stone Mountain. It's yeah. marble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all marble. They were mining that marble. Again, yeah. like you were saying earlier, people don't realize the Cherokee were so acclimated to mm-hmm. the Anglo way of life. They hired attorneys. There's a receipt at the Smithsonian Institution where they paid almost $3,000 for attorneys. And here's Chief Justice Marshall going, you can't do that. Andrew Jackson's like, you want to stop me? Come stop me. Built these stockades. Georgia agreed with him. And that's, again, it wasn't the U.S. military that did this mm-hmm. removal. It was militia members. Oh, okay. And so many of the conductors and stuff, maybe lieutenant, colonel, whatever, they were militia members, and they may have been military before, but they were like off-duty U.S. military. They were doing it as a side job. But you also don't realize when the Cherokee went and said, okay, that's it, we're moving ourselves if you let us wait till fall. We had one of those years where it went straight. Here's summer, sweltering heat. You get up the next day, and there's snow on the ground. There was no fall. Right. And that's why even they say in the newspapers in November of 1838, when Chief Whitepath passed away here, it was sleeting. Mm-hmm. The ground was already frozen. It was miserable already. Usually the first week in November, our trees are just starting to turn. Yeah. We hadn't really gotten into it good. We don't snow till January. Right. You know, I don't think I've seen a white Christmas in ages right. because it just doesn't do that here. You're going to get Valentine's Day snow, right. you know. <laughs> And that was kind of year it was. And we actually have, from the Smithsonian, we have meteorological reports throughout the whole thing. We have food. We, Like I said again, each group that came through had a conductor, had a co-conductor, had members of the light horsemen, which are the police. Each group had either a missionary or a minister with them. Each group had a doctor or a nurse with them. It, I mean, they made sure everything was covered as best they could. Um, there were wealthier Cherokee, and usually the wealthier Cherokee, they'd come up and knock on the door and go, okay, you've got 30 minutes, get what you can get and come with me. Because then they wanted to put those homes in a land lottery. Uh. And that's what Jackson did. Whenever they cleared out a cabin, we had businesses, homes, farms, everything got put in a land lottery. Now, if they just wanted, there were those who wanted to loot and burn. Mm -hmm. That was usually the poor people. Mm -hmm. They'd get what they could, just burn what was left. The good stuff, they put in a land lottery, and this is what happened to White Path. White Path was going back and forth from his home in Turniptown, Georgia, which is now Ellijay, Georgia. Okay. And to Washington, D.C., with John Ross fighting the removal. He came home from one of his trips, and there was a pioneer family living in his cabin. He had taken over his little farm, mm-hmm. and he couldn't do anything about it. He had no rights to go and complain, hey, there's squatters in my house. Too bad. 
He surrendered himself to the stockades because by the, that was it. Yeah. That was his final straw. He couldn't take it no more. Bear in mind, he was in his late 70s. He was not a young man, yeah. especially for 1838, where the average pioneer, 40 years old, is considered a good life. Right. He was in his late 70s. And he turned himself into a stockade at Rattlesnake Springs, Tennessee. And that's where he walked. He was in the stockade almost a month before he left. And again, he was co-conductor of the Elijah Hicks Detachment. Right. And got to ride his horse, like I said, till he just couldn't, at the Tennessee-Kentucky state line, mm-hmm. he just couldn't do it no more. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine you're away on vacation or you're away on your job and come home and there's somebody in your house and you can't do anything about it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I read somewhere, and you might be able to shine some light on it, that um, whenever they started all of their legal processes, um that um, they were recognized as their own nation. Yes. And so they, one of their very first legal processes or, or challenges was if you're your own nation, your case can't go to the Supreme Court. Right. Because that's the Supreme Court of America. But and again, so they, they get, were they suing get, an American. And they had to get someone else to file the federal lawsuit for them uh, to start the right, whole process. Right. That, so they well, again, they, that's why they hired attorneys. Yeah, yeah. they and, were hitting those And it's those just things. like us. Yeah. If we had someone from a different nation and they wanted to bring a lawsuit, what would they do? You know, yeah, I'm they would have for, to, even right. though because they were the offense was by. I mean, think about this thing. Yeah. They had the bravery to sue the president. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't care who you are. We're suing you. Well, that didn't work because back then the president could do what the president wanted to do, yeah. regardless. Even though we had the system set up with vetoes and this and this. Right. Yeah. Wasn't working when Jackson said, and you've got to remember too, he was actually retired from the presidency by the time all this went through court and did all this. 1838. He was already retired. He was sitting on his porch down there in Nashville. Didn't they come what? through and he refused to let them stay on well, his property? I don't know if he refused to let them stay on the property because I don't think that was even an option. I don't think they would have even asked. Okay. An old story is, and again, I have to say an old story because there is no proof, but they say he sat on his front porch and waved. When the groups walked by. Really? Because they did march right in front of his house. And the Native Americans were told, do not look in his direction. Do not bow your head down. Keep your head up. Walk straight ahead. Do not acknowledge him. Because, of course, in Cherokee culture, one of the biggest disses is you don't look somebody in the face when you're talking to them. If you don't acknowledge they're there, they're dead. They're ghosted. And so they were told, and never, ever let your head be down to show that you've been beaten down. And of course, that's an old story. Of course, people embellish, oh, he was drinking a glass of, you know, he was drinking <laughs> his sweet tea and waving into it. There's a lot of history. On, and, and I do know that people, there are people who put Jackson up here. Okay, he's the only president in the United States we did not have national debt under. Wonderful. How many banks did he close to do that? 
Right. <laughs> you know, he did have, a, an, I mean, he was kidnapped, he was shot, he was stabbed, he watched mm-hmm. his mother be killed in front of him. Wow. Yeah. It, they, but he they, was a dirty dog. It, those things <laughs> may have produced. Right. Um, you know, of course, we well, don't. I'll put another um, example out there, and I think, yeah, he might have been touched because of a lot of stuff he went through. Yeah. Um, Dragon Canoe, who was a Chickamauga chief, which Chickamaugas are a branch of Cherokees, and we're talking way, way back. Uh, I think it's the 1500s, maybe 1600s. And he was known for being just crazy out of his head. If you looked at him wrong, he'd kill you. He's always starting, he was a war chief, so he was always starting fights with people. When you, they do say that he was a smallpox survivor. And I have seen paintings, and you see that he's all scarred up and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I wonder if maybe he hadn't been brain damaged from Mm -hmm. the fever, from the smallpox. Yeah. And that might be almost like a crocodile. That might be what makes him (laughs) crazy and mean. You know. The medulla. Yeah, you're a medulla. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know. Okay, Bobby Boucher. Waterboy taught us that. And... Isn't that funny? You learn, I know. You're watching a funny movie and you learn something. It's like stuck there. <laughs> but, you know, it makes you wonder. Maybe he had some kind of damage from an illness, from an injury or something that mm-hmm. kind of made him, or maybe he was just mean. You know, I took William Turner's uh, uh, history class at, mm-hmm. at Hopkinsville Community College, and and he was, uh, he said, you, you'll never see a photo of Andrew Jackson without like a scarf or an um, ascot. ascot ascot because you know you mentioned that he witnessed his mom getting murdered um, that a British soldier cut his neck um, but he and survived scarred. it and yeah. his scar is there so I said he went through a lot yeah he did go through a lot I, I'm sorry but he was just as two-faced as he could possibly be uh, we do have a book in there, too. Mine interests you. It's called Jackson Land. And see, just seeing the title of the book, I would have been like, I'm not. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Trail of Tears. You know, we're in the Penny Royal area. Right. Uh, some say the Penny Royal. I, I still have that. I know. We still have a bad, you know, Penny Royal. And people <laughs> um, go, what's that? It's, it's like, it's a flower. And they're like, no, it's not. It's like, no, it's Penny Royal is the flower. And it's just... Penaral, but west southern of Kentucky, we murder the lakes language. is called the Jackson Purchase, <laughs> right? Right, and um, and so I guess that was part of the Louisiana Purchase. Is um, well, saying that's a thing, too. Like um, I said, this book I ended up getting it because it was recommended by the Trail of Tears Association, which is very important to me. And it basically shows here's Jackson's policies, here's Ross's policies, here's Jackson's, here's Ross's. And it's really, really cool because mm-hmm. we have a, another book that was written years ago called The Rise and Fall of the Cherokee Nation by mm-hmm. John Ely, which has like been the book. You have to read it. That's the book. And people are like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Somebody finally wrote the book to explain that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really great because it does show the difference in the men because John Ross was a politician. You know, know, something that interested me is prior to the um, the Indian Removal Act, uh, uh, the Cherokee community 
in Georgia and Southern Tennessee and Alabama and in, in Kentucky, if we went there today, we it would be hard for us to tell those communities from the from the Absolutely. white communities. Absolutely. There were buildings, there was a schoolhouse, there was a bank, there was uh, uh, a, a, a city hall. Your newspaper that the, that the government. Absolutely. And uh, so it was. We um, were very acclimated to the Anglo way of life. Again, like I said, the pimple on everybody's history. Cherokees owned slaves. Yeah. And some of them were Indian slaves, some of them were African American slaves. But I mm -hmm. mean, they lived as their Anglo in the 1800s. Yeah. You had a plantation, you had a couple of slaves. There were almost a thousand documented African Americans on the drug ships. Interesting story. And you were telling us about this earlier that some of the descendants, uh, I'll, I'll let you tell it. It's... Again, after the Tread of Tears, and they, everybody arrived in eight, by 1839, well, of course, then you know, 23, 24 years later is the Civil War. Yeah. The blacks actually fought with the Cherokees, mostly on the side of the South, during the Civil War. But then when they were emancipated, John Ross again, I mean, he was probably one of the most famous Cherokee chiefs, made them Cherokee Nationals to reward them for their service. Mm -hmm. And to this day, there's a group in Oklahoma called the Black Cherokee, and they're descendants of those Cherokee slaves. They are by law, here it is, 2021, mm -hmm. they are by law Cherokees. They run for position, you know, elected officials, they vote in all the elections, any kind of scholarships, anything like that, that a Cherokee would get, they can apply for too. And to this day, however many years I don't do math well, <laughs> they are considered Cherokee nationals. So it, it's amazing to me that my own culture, my own background still recognizes. And I will tell you, honestly, two years ago, there was a court battle because all of a sudden some people in Cherokee Nation were going, okay, we've, we've paid you enough. You don't, that's it. We want to stop this. And they went to court and the black Cherokee won. Yep. So they are still by law Cherokee. It's just so, you know, when we're looking for those stories behind the stories, right? Um, it's just interesting to see that, a lot of negativity that's happened and then something positive happens where right. a group is grafted into being inclusive and included. Well, I will tell you, I'm going to tell you another little backstory. <laughs> the Cherokee Phoenix, which is our newspaper, Elias Boonois, one of the bad guys in the treaty party, <laughs> is the one who started the Cherokee Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Where he got the name Elias Boonois, he went away up north and the guy who taught him how to print, how to use a printing press, how to make a newspaper. His name was Elias Benoit. So he took on his name just like an indentured servant. Yeah. With the, yeah. Which say we had indentured servants too. Yeah. And he went away and basically was an indentured servant for this guy. Learned how to make a newspaper. When he came back down to Georgia, he started the Cherokee Phoenix. And that was 1828. Yeah, 1828. So 10 years before the Trail of Tears, 
he started the Cherokee Phoenix. The first Cherokee Phoenix was printed in Cherokee and English. So if you think about it, most Cherokee, even at that time, were at the very least bilingual. Every home got a copy of the Cherokee Phoenix. This is 2021. You can still get a copy of the Cherokee Phoenix. It's still in publication. Mm. All you got to do is go online and order a copy of the Cherokee Phoenix. You get it online or you can get a paper copy. Okay. So, yes, the newspaper is still in publication today. Well, some of the interesting stuff that you also said earlier was that they didn't live in teepees. They oh, lived no. in houses. No, no. Uh, I was, uh, when you were talking about uh, White Path and uh, Chief White Path and his location where he left and came home and his cabin was taken over, I believe that cabin's still standing today. It, it, it has been moved. Moved, right. But it does still stand today and they do have it as a little mm-hmm. And that's why. I do have a picture of it over there. Um, <laughs> that little. You've got to come down look. here and see yeah, all of the pictures. Come. You've got yes. to come here. I mean, if nothing more, just to walk in to see the the history of The Cherokee had absolutely no reason to live in a teepee. Right. They were farmers. They were hunters and gatherers. They built homes. Before we had log cabins, we had little huts. We had Mm -hmm. teepee. The whole point of a teepee is the fact that you can move it. Right. It's mobile. They had no reason to do that. A lot of Cherokees actually had two cabins. And they would build this cabin. A couple miles down the road, they'd build another cabin. But that was all their property. And they'd farm this one for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Then they would move to their other cabin and farm that property for two or three years. <laughs> so they were really already like rotating Ro- crops. Yeah. That is You've got to let the earth rest. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> the same reason why you wear moccasins. You could feel the ground under your feet. You always have to be able to feel Mother Earth under your feet. Okay. And she'll tell you, I need to rest, or I'm ready, or I'm... You just know those things. Um, Again, I also, my personal opinion, is that hunger would have been the worst part on the Trevor Tears. Because we're from the southeast. There's always something. Right. There could be three foot of snow on the ground, and there's still a squirrel going to run right. across your yard. You could catch crappie any time of year here. Yeah. There's always mushrooms growing on the bottom of a log in the woods. There's always something to eat. Yes. Then you're going out there. Think about it. That soil is totally different. We didn't know how to farm anymore. People are moving their houses. I've got to learn how to move out. So they actually built their entalquah. They started putting up regular houses. Well, these Western Indians never seen. Why are these? And you could think the cultural shift and shock. Right. Because also another cultural shift that people don't think about. We had pretty much Christianity was a new idea. We were matriarchal before they took on Christianity. Okay. That makes you patriarchal. So they're having cultural shifts within themselves. Yeah. Because even to this day, we do still have female chiefs, but back then, we had female chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a position called Beloved Woman, and that's above the principal chief. She's above everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and another theory is that possibly the Powhatans may have been matriarchal, and that's why when Pocahontas told her daddy, you can't kill John Smith, that's why he stopped. Because oh. if you go against Beloved Woman, Penalty's death. 
I didn't know. Oh, that's yes. wild. And that's just a theory. Like I said, I have no, oh, no and I don't have a about. background in history, but it's, you think about, I think about things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of what happens. But it's a, it's a theory. If they were matriarchal, and she said, you can't do that. It doesn't matter if she's 12 or she's 55. You, you don't go against beloved woman. Ellen, I agree that we've experienced <laughs> that. And you don't go against beloved we women. We have beloved women well, at so home. I will that. tell you, do you know that all a Cherokee, a Cherokee woman could divorce her husband? And all you had to do was put his knife and his shoes outside the door and he could not come back. <laughs> Period. I used to do that to my husband all the time. I'd put one of his slippers That's outside. That's quick claims court right there. Well, I'd put one of his slippers outside, and then he said he knew he better go get, you know, takeout or flowers or That's one candy step close. Just to get, to put that shoe back inside. But it's because the women owned all the property. And that's where a lot of people, when they're tracing their genealogy, they'll hit a, a roadblock and they can find nothing. Because as Anglos, we've been taught. Your daddy's name, your daddy's name, your daddy's name. Mm-mm. Your daddy's name didn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, people, uh, that's why we also kind of hate the term Cherokee princess. We weren't a hierarchy. Yeah. Chief is an elected, elected official from way, way back. You weren't born in the medicine men go, ooh, you know, you're now going to be raised to be a chief or this, that, and the other. Right. They may pick a boy and go, boy, you're special. Doesn't mean anything. He has to be elected as a chief. So there was a democratic process. Absolutely. Even back then. In the Cherokee Nation. And so being the chief's daughter, well, you better behave because people know who your daddy is, but it doesn't make you special. you got to run for your own position. Right. And so people have that misconception, that Hollywood ideal. Oh, this is how this happens. And I really do not like it when people come and say, my great, great, great was a Cherokee princess. It just kind of eats me. Cherokee princess, yeah, we do use that term. It's a beauty pageant title. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Because, but people have that misconception and they were raised with that. And it's not, again, yeah. as we said earlier, I prefer to educate people, not get angry. Of course, they just people. didn't know. Was, right, they don't know. Yeah. They've been told that. Right. We also get a lot of people who come in and they did the DNA thing. Oh, but they were Cherokee and I know they were. And I. I understand. My husband was one of those. And when we did his genealogy, he was brokenhearted that he was Irish through and <laughs> But, you know, Granny was dark skin and Granny had dark hair. Well, you know, farm women, farmers, really had the same culture as the Cherokees did. Yeah. And they lived amongst each other. So she may have even thought. Also, the Cherokee practiced adoption. Oh, Okay. Really, really big. I mean, everybody was included. It, uh, we were a very inclusive society. So if there was a foundling in the woods or there was a battle and then the child did not get, you know, the parents, did, they would take them. And one of the clans, the long-haired clan, that was their job. And they take people away and they teach you all the laws, rules, and everything at Cherokee. And it's almost like waving a magic, okay, now you're a Cherokee because you promised to live this way. Right. So that person a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, may have been adopted in, and they have yeah. no idea they're not Cherokee by blood, so they passed it down. And 
if more people accept that, that hey, and that's we always laugh because at our powwows you'll see blonde hair, blue eyed Indians. <laughs> Somewhere down the line, you know, there was an Irishman in the woodpile that got adopted in and doesn't know they're not right a Cherokee. Yeah. So there's so many. Uh, again, I could talk days because we could go over the seven clans and what they did, what their jobs were, or the fact that again, you can look around here. Uh, I'm looking past your shoulder. There's a stickball game. Stickball was actually originally called Little Brother to War <laughs> because the Cherokee did not like fighting other Cherokee. They didn't want to kill another Cherokee. So if a village and another village were having a land dispute or that's my cow or that's my wife, they'd play a game of stickball. Now, at the time, stickball was a very dangerous game. <laughs> Like, if you fell and broke your leg and they wanted to run on top of you, well, that's just tough. Yeah. You know, it didn't have, today it's a more organized, civilized <laughs> game. But back then, whoever won the stickball game won the dispute. That is very interesting. And that's uh, the first stickball game was between the four-legged animals and the birds. And it shows you the four-legged animals would not, they were little bitty mice. <laughs> They came up and told the birds, can we play on your team? We want to play. And the birds were like, you got four legs. Go play with them. And they're like, oh. But the bear and the turtle and the deer, they said we're too small. They don't want us. So the eagle and the hawk came down and cut wings out of the top of a drum, out of leather, and attached it to one. <laughs> then the other, they didn't have enough leather left. So they pulled him until his skin stretched between his arms and his legs. They made the first bat and the first flying squirrel. Oh, no. And the bat could, you know, fly all kinds of crazy, and the flying squirrel was way up in the trees. They ended up getting the ball and winning the game for the birds. <laughs> so that's how we got a bat and a flying squirrel. That is a neat. It is, you, your story just oh, brought that to life. The whole story, it did talk about the bear lifting logs, like lifting weights, and, <laughs> and folks, you're the right, turtle to go to polishing to his shell. Part. So, yeah, I got stories. Yeah, we'll... You'll, we'll show that. We'll certainly show this graphic, and but this is uh, we out of everything that's in this room. Okay. <laughs> everything that you see here, there's one thing that tells a story because I know that everything tells a story mm -hmm. here, but there's one thing that I know is a story that you'd want folks to know this story so they'll come here and and get to see everything in here. What would it be? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yes, because you kind of like telling your mother, yeah. which one's your favorite child? Yeah. You can't. Because, I mean, the story of Sequoia, and I like to get into it about this time of year. Sequoia, and everybody knows, Oh, most of them is Cherokee. He created the written language mm -hmm. for the Cherokee. And you got to remember, like I said, we were already educated people. So yeah. we already, the first book that was translated was the New Testament of the Bible, which is a hard enough book to translate. Right. Mm -hmm. was translated from Greek to Cherokee oh, by a 15-year-old boy at Brainerd Mission School in Tennessee. But previous to that, when Sequoia was creating this language, he became so obsessed with written language and passing messages between people great distances 
He's out there with big old catalpa leaves, great big leaves. That's why they're called talking leaves. You'll hear mm-hmm. books called talking leaves. And he's making symbols. He had taken bark from a tree that had been struck by lightning because it's like charcoal. He's mm-hmm. writing on these leaves. And he's making weird signs. And he's making weird sounds. His wife thought he was conjuring spirits and accused him of witchcraft. He went on trial for witchcraft. Oh, my goodness. Lord. He had to prove that he was trying to educate the Cherokee people and not conjuring right. spirits. He was able to prove that, but his wife was still so angry, <laughs> she burned his work and divorced oh. him. He had to move away and start all over again. It took him 12 years to complete. So he obsessed for but. He was a silversmith and dairy farmer, and he went out there doing his work, making money. He's out there making weird sounds. <laughs> he actually then was sent village to village to teach every Cherokee to read and write. It's called a syllabary because each of the symbols is a syllable of a word. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's phonics. Oh, okay. There's 86 symbols. In that frame. And, like I said, that's why if you speak Cherokee, you can learn to read and write it in less than two weeks. But if you don't, good luck. (laughs) I have about four words I can say that my Kentucky tongue does not wrap around (laughs) it very well. As we said, I think, in our third podcast, we talk with a drawl. So. I have friends from way up north, and I always tell them, I hear southern slowly. <laughs> I cannot. I hear in southern, and I speak in southern. I, well, I even told you on the phone, I feel like I sound like cornbread, so there's no telling what your folks are going to hear. That's okay. We're all from around here. Yeah, <laughs> most of us are, anyway. And I would like to tell y'all, too, while I'm thinking about it. Sure. My cabin is almost 200 years old now. This is an 1800s log cabin. Um... It's two rooms with a loft, so it was a pretty fancy cabin. Mm-hmm. The earliest owner we can find was a African-American man named Sam Dillard. Sam Dillard. And to have this fancy of a cabin, he was either a freedman or very well loved. I mean, even a lot, most around here, we have a few of those shacks left. Yeah. And they are literally one room shacks. Mm-hmm. So this was pretty fancy. Well, just uh, just this last podcast, we were in a one-room shack, uh, the one that was built on the Bell property that was moved up there, and yeah. we were actually inside of it, and I mean, it's, just it's nothing as nice as this. Yeah. I mean, this was really, I mean. Well, we did move it here from a community about 17 miles out the country called Julian, huh. and we moved it here in one piece on a semi-truck. We didn't even disassemble it, uh, and we had volunteers that came and re-roofed it, re-chinked it, built the cabinets. These are actually the original fireplace stones in it. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of real foundation stones under it. And we've been blessed that it's stayed here. Stayed and- right here. And it's happy here. <laughs> I love it. There are actually three different types of hand-hewn logs in this cabin. And you can even see when you look at it. The hue marks where they axed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, you guys, I'm sure you noticed because you're both kind of tall. Um, <laughs> the doorways are only five foot eight. Yes. The yeah, average I, I pioneer that. man in the 1800s was five foot eight, and that's how they measured their doorways. <laughs> but if you went into an 1800s Cherokee cabin, 
the doorways would be even lower. And it wasn't because they were shorter. It's because you had to come in bent over so you couldn't wield a weapon coming in the door. Okay. Oh. Interesting. So that's why if you look at a real old lock, now ours has been kind of changed to have bigger mm-hmm. windows and that type yeah. of thing. But an original cabin would have had lower doorways and it certainly wouldn't have had big windows like this. That is, that is, I'm a, this is just a wonderful place to come. I, I, I don't know all the years living here in this area and going over all of my, my senior year in high school in 88, uh, going to the Kentucky New Year, I never looked right. right. Never looked right. And it's right here. Well, I say, and also back then in 88, we were just a cedar thicket. Yeah. Nobody wanted this property because of the flooding. Mm-hmm. The new era actually owned half, and a family, the Morris family, owned the other half. Mm-hmm. Well, way back when, it was 1987 that Ronald Reagan named the Trail of Tears a National Historic Trail and demanded it be preserved. We already had the documentation because of the graves. Right. And some very smart people, Miss Beverly Baker being the one, <laughs> she was the one. Got it all submitted, did all the footwork, um, and Ronald Reagan actually named us the very first certified site on the whole Trail of Tears. Awesome. Which I feel like Christian County should be more than proud of. Very much. Because there are now 73 sites in nine states, and we mm. were the very first to be certified, named by Ronald Reagan himself. If you look up the bill where he named the Trail of Tears, the National Historic Trail, Hopkinsville is named in that bill. That is awesome. That is awesome. And once that started, we hit the ground running. Um, Again, I like to tell people, be sure you don't. We are absolutely free. We work strictly on donations. I am a volunteer. Uh, The only thing we ask is be sure when you come, you sign that guest book. (laughs) So I can send those numbers into national parks at the end of the year. Hey, we had this many visitors. We had this many, mm-hmm. even foreign countries. And I add up these numbers every month because, of course, our Trailer Association uses that too. And if anybody's interested, we do have a Trailer Commission, and that is a volunteer commission. We meet second Tuesday of every month and discuss things like our powwow. Our powwow is our fundraiser for the year to pay the taxes and insurance. Now, the powwow, Mm -hmm. is this still happening at the fairgrounds? No, sir. We've had it here on this property for 30 years. Okay. Where you been? Well, I've been (laughs) to... Our very first, I think, three powwows were actually over at the rec department by the fairgrounds because we didn't have this park yet. (laughs) That's reason. And I think think we're on our... 30, I think this past year was our 36th year. The only year we did not have it was last year due to the COVID. Mm-hmm. And that is, like I said, the first ones were to get the money to start this park. And that's in September. It's in September. The weekend after Labor Day is just the easiest way to remember it. It's okay. always the weekend after Be Labor Day. Be sure to get down here for that. Um, and we usually, in October, have a little event here at the cabin, which is called Atahuna, which is Friendship Day. And it's supposed to be like your fall, seeing all your friends, saying goodbye, we're fixing to go hibernate. We did not have it this year due to the passing of our commission president, Yeah, um, which struck us pretty hard. But we'd like to invite anybody who wants to try for the commit. You can either come and talk to me 
Again, our Christian County Tourism Center is right on the same property, and they love to push me up. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, well, let me call Christina, and she'll be right over here. I do enjoy volunteering, and I do do it as a way in remembrance of my father, and then also of my mother, who did it for 20 years before she passed away, and I took her spot. Um, so I've been doing this now on my own about seven years since she passed away, seven or eight years. Well, and we, we appreciate what you do. Yeah. And, oh, and uh, that stories are still being passed on. And, and that's one thing our on our uh, show, Alan and I just do this as as uh, two friends that, that want to just tell stories so they're documented and well, we yeah, I, and again, I have so many. I'm yeah. telling you, I could start with the Come trees see. in the cemetery. Come I could Christina. start with the plants that I make. Please. My grandson is my helper. Of course, one of my grandsons, he's 14. He does my tobacco out front. We'd be sure we plant tobacco because <laughs> I actually had somebody come to me once and they said I, they thought tobacco was manufactured. What? And it was like, how can you? I guess because well, they're not Kentucky. from Christian County. You know, and yeah. it, I know they were from up north somewhere. Yeah. And I said, oh, no, let me show you. And, again, if you look over here, you'll see this is Cherokee tobacco leaves. So you'll see how much smaller it is. I yeah. do in the summertime. We plant Cherokee tobacco, then we plant Kentucky tobacco. Okay. Also, uh, and I know farmers, my husband was a tobacco farmer. You know, they come up, oh, you need to top those plants. You need to get those flowers you off. It's get like, the oh, red. Oh, oh. I don't plant them to sell. To get suckers off. So you I plant them because they draw hummingbirds. Ah, okay. And there is a whole Cherokee story about the hummingbird saving the first tobacco. And they do. I'm telling you, I was covered in hummingbirds and butterflies this summer. That is When awesome. it starts blooming. Oh, yeah. So if you but want again, hummingbirds, if you want hummingbirds, <laughs> plant, plant your tobacco. Plant at least the tobacco plant outside in your garden. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they and will come. Don't forget, get down here. You, I mean, it's it's right here in our backyard. Come see Christina. She can tell you before before we even started recording. I've got so many stories that <laughs> that are, did not make it onto this show that were very very much interesting. And and I wish we had a whole another couple of hours to sit here. Uh, and just uh, yeah, just I listen. Y'all got to go see one of my favorite. We've got to go see another. We've we've got folks to see, and uh, we just we appreciate your time today and letting us focus on the Trail of Tears for our November podcast. We're going to try to get some of these photos here. Going to try to get them up on the website. Uh, come to our website, watch the show. Come on, uh, thank and, you. And to let people know, if I'm not here or Mr. Richard is not here. Just to go up to tourism, because I'll be glad to let you in and give you a tour, too, or call me awesome. if they think I'm just being sleepy and not getting out of bed. <laughs> I am a volunteer, so I really don't have set hours, especially this time of year. Yeah. Um, or set hours or summertime hours. But I welcome anybody, and I love to come down here. I may have to bring a grandkid or two with me sometimes, but that's okay, too. They like it, too. <laughs> and don't forget, uh, this uh, coming month of November, we got story time. We're Miss Scott. So far, uh, so far on Saturdays at noon, and everybody just bring a sack lunch, and I like to sit with the kids at my feet and tell them these wonderful stories, 
And then my sister will come and she'll help them make a craft that goes with that story. So they have a little souvenir. Get down here the month of November uh, for the storytellers. Go to the website. Uh, all of their website is out there. Uh, it has all of the events. They they keep it updated every week. There's something going on. Uh, we'll share this on I, and we will on be our on our media. Yeah, we also them. do have a Facebook page, which yes. is Trailers we'll Heritage Center on Facebook, we'll and that is me. Yes. So if you go on there, you're going to get an answer. You're going to get the information that I say. Awesome. And if you want to, if you want to have a conversation with her, she will have it with you. <laughs> get down here. Okay. Yeah, y'all got more you bargained for, didn't you? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you, thank Christina. you, Christina. Thanks, guys. Well, Joey, we had a great time there at the Trail of Tears with Christina Scott. She is she is so full of knowledge, uh, and there's so much that we listened to, we learned uh, stuff that you need to think about uh, planning. You you live in Middle Tennessee, Southern Kentucky, or Southern Kentucky, uh, Middle Tennessee, whichever. Get to the Trail of Tears. Remembered Park. Uh, just remember, they are there. They have been there. They were the first park registered for the Trail of Tears, Joey. National Park Service, Ronald Reagan, out of all the Trail of Tears sites, that was the very first one designated by the president. And uh, it's right here within driving distance of Middle Tennessee and, and Southern and Western Kentucky. And uh, some other things I learned uh, uh, at this visit was about the Cherokee people and how traumatic this was that uh, this was uh, closer to a civilized and um, uh, uh, acclimated community where they were less like uh, uh, the other tr uh, indigenous people and uh, Native Americans, uh, that they would build towns and banks. Uh, I thought that was so interesting Harry. that Christina was talking about. And, uh, you, know, you know, what were some of the other things that you thought was interesting? The, very, the great things that I thought that were interesting was the actual uh, Chief White Path and Fly Smith, the sculptures. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you that uh, Steve Shields did a, a great job on these sculptures. And Joy and I, we, we were standing an arm's length away from them. Uh, we've got a picture on our website of us standing right there. Uh, go to the website, take a look at all the pictures that we took inside. We were actually filming in the Cherokee room of the log cabin there that's located on the park grounds. Uh, Christina was so much full of knowledge with places to go. Uh, one of the places, Joy, is down by where you live uh, there in Guthrie. Yeah, Port Royal and Guthrie Road that uh, the Trail of Tears came through Port Royal, came through Guthrie, and Chief Whitepath was very sick. There's a lot of uh, journals where they were trying to get him to not ride on his pony or his horse uh, and ride in a wagon because he was so ill, but he stopped and got some water from a well that has been uh, preserved by, uh, uh, by the national parks, and uh, Alan, what was the well? The, name of that? the well of Sweetwater, and if I'm right not there, yeah, and and what had happened is, is they had filled it up over the years and and impacted it to where there, it was not a well, really. It was just a, a a little sculpture there with a sign on it talking about that was uh, where uh, Chief White Path actually took a drink 
felt better. Start feeling better. And yeah. went on to Hopkinsville uh, for the, uh, one of their uh, stops. Uh, their planned stop there in Hopkinsville. But since uh, since over the last couple of years, there one of the trees that was right beside the well that had the sign on it that actually said that it was blessed by the uh, by the Indian uh, uh, the medicine men there, and that's that tree had to come down. But when they were going down to take the roots out of that tree, they actually started digging the well back out. And guess what, Joey? There was still water at the bottom of that well. They hit water. Yes, that there's still spring water hitting that and uh so there's so much history around us mm -hmm. guys yeah we 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 had a great time doing this show we're going to put a lot of links on our website mm -hmm. a lot of links on social media go to the website like it and follow it and subscribe there by putting your email address in go to youtube hit the follow and subscribe button you'll get to watch the videos of us doing this and uh, see some of the interviews in person as we as we have the cameras there and and look around the Cherokee room and and you'll also want to follow us on your favorite podcast app because uh, you can listen to it in your car at work uh, but use all these methods because you're going to get something by watching the video but you could also listen to it uh, by hearing some of the stories. So you want to you want to just not use one method to follow us. And also you'll get to see the links. Uh, if you want to research some of this on your own and go to some of these places on your own, we encourage that because, yes. uh, the you know, one thing that that Alan and I started talking about was we've got to go see these things. Uh, we it, it took us 50 years. Uh, we got to be 50 years old before we started <laughs> saying, hey, you know, we've not been around the place within a 100-mile radius of us. Start trying to become uh, a let's historian. Share, let's share this journey with, yeah. with all of our friends and followers, and um, and we'll try it out. And you, you follow along with us, and uh, let us know other places that we should go. Yes, and Joey, and we, we must not let the folks know about our shining moment at the end here where we do the... The the drone. <laughs> Wait, what is it? The Michael Bay of yeah. uh, of our podcast. It's the Michael Bay of bisexual <laughs> con. I was thinking, you know, like Sky Five with Leland Statham. <laughs> Hashtag News Channel Five. News Channel Five. Well, we need to instead of Sky Five, our drone is called Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I like it. Hey, like, let's get Michael Bay out and take and take some get some perspective yes on this and uh so we'll call it michael bay michael bay it'll be but don't forget at the end of this show uh when uh the, when we start rolling the credits here you're going to see the credits probably start any minute now but please go love everything that uh if, that we've been to uh go to the trail of tears remember to park uh, uh like i said christina scott she is loaded full of information she loves to talk, and we love to listen to her. Ask her about some of the stuff in her uh, in the cabinets there, uh, and everything has a story, uh, and there's a story for everything there. Uh, so it's a great place to go. Great place, great place to spend a couple of hours. Uh, walk the grounds. Go to the gravesite there. The uh, the only two uh, that they know of 
that are actually named grave sites of the Cherokee Indians there in Hopkinsville. Uh, it's not far from the visitor center there. Um, and be sure to go to their website. Uh, we're going to post a link to it on our website so you can get there uh, and follow up some of the stuff that uh, Joy and I are going to be looking at over the next couple of, uh, actually coming up in uh, 2022, Joy and I are going to have so much fun. We, I can't wait. I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm excited about the things that are coming up. Who would have thought that uh, the first three shows we did and then all of a sudden here we are as historians? Not yet. But soon enough, soon enough, get out. To, Thank you yes, get all out. for all of the kind words that you said yes. and all the messages that you've sent us. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, uh, uh, we're, we're so excited to, to just learn ourselves and uh, there's more in store. Continue to be kind to be one another and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Very soon. Love y'all. Love every one of you. Thank you.